Welcome to Games Hub, a crypto talk show with investors, influencers, and remarkable personalities. Experience like in talent agency sphere and media companies, right? Um, we're, we'll start probably from the from the basics, right? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you how did you get to crypto? Yeah, it, it's really a great question. So fundamentally speaking, like you said, I'm a lawyer by trade. Uh, I have both my Canadian as well as US law degree. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I probably spent too much time playing video games than I should have been when I was in law school. But that's how I kind of got exposure to the esports and content creator space. Um, never looked at it all from kind of a business or professional perspective, just became a fan of it. Fast forward a couple of years, uh, of all things, I was actually practicing medical malpractice, um, really complex obstetrical negligence type stuff, super uh, extreme and not so much fun. Um, but it was kind of a Friday afternoon waiting for the weekend to come when I really just came across an article um, that did kind of a deep dive into the economics of esports and content creators, uh, something that I had never really considered before. Um, but as I was reading this, what really struck me was the business model seemed very similar to traditional sports in the sense that you have teams, players, and sponsors as kind of key stakeholders that are driving the industry forward. So because of this, and you know, this article that's kind of putting forth all the economics of the space, I began to wonder, did it have the same infrastructure built in that traditional sports does, since it looks a lot like it? And what I mean by that is let's take a guy, uh, let's take a guy like LeBron James. Let's say he signs a contract with the Lakers or an endorsement deal with Nike. Is he himself negotiating those terms and drafting the contracts? No, right? He has a lawyer and agent doing it. So I'm like, this must exist. Uh, took a look, quickly found out that not only was there not really a single law firm or agency operating worldwide, it just kind of the whole industry as a whole was very kind of unprofessional, so to speak. So for me, saw it as an opportunity to kind of launch my own business uh, from a legal perspective as well as an agency perspective. And me and my business partner both quit our jobs uh, as kind of a, a corporate lawyer, so to speak, and started this thing. Um, you know, at the time, esports was very much in its infancy. Uh, There's very little going on, um, but it was uh, kind of right place, right time. And what I mean by that, so we launched back in September 2018. And at that time, there's about $170 million invested worldwide into this space. Not a nominal number, but also not so big, considering the next month in October, there was $1.8 billion. And that's when you had Drake and Scooter Braun come in with 100 Thieves, the new Overwatch League slots were announced, as well as a whole host of other celebrity investors. Um, so with that, that kind of moved esports and content creation, so to speak, from kind of the periphery to mainstream consciousness and allowed us to scale quite quickly, um, mostly because we just ended up getting, you know, a lot of press out of it. And to be honest, you know, we weren't experts at the time and very much it was like, you know, fake it till you make it. Um, and we were able to scale quite quickly um, by uh, within seven months, we were representing over 700 esports teams, players, creators, uh, game developers and ancillary entities across the ecosystem. Um, and then in April 2019, seven months later, we actually merged with another agency, which is a subsidiary of Anthem Sports and Entertainment and rebranded the company to Rumble Gaming. And that's kind of my very long winded, but you know, somewhat granular way of how I kind of progressed from a medical malpractice lawyer to an esports and content creator agent. Perfect. You know, this is like a story how I met my mother, in your case, how I met a crypto industry. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so practically, like, so, so you, you, we, I, I want to talk about, like, se like, segue a little bit about what's happening right now in Web2 world, right? Because there's a yeah. huge 
um, you know, wave right now of, of content creators who are trying to be more decentralized and they try to control their content, they try to monetize their content because let's be honest, right now the, the current platforms like Facebook, Twitter, like you know, and even Spotify and many others, they're very first of all, they're very much centralized. You the the there there are a lot of monopolies there already and they have a lot of content restrictions. I mean censorship went to to an insane level where like such content creators as presidents of countries were banned and censored, right? So we got to this level, uh, which is, you know, and, and now uh, we, we understand that there should be a new wave. There should be kind of a different transition into this new world. And uh, in your opinion, working a lot with influencers, so how can content creators expect, what, what should they expect from Web3? No, that, that, that's that's really a great question, right? Um, and, and what, to me, if I were to simplify that question or distill down to, to one thing, what Web3 and, and blockchain as a whole is really doing for influencers, it's allowing them to directly interact with their audience without intermediaries. And that's a huge kind of benefit, mostly because it's really allowing them to own their audience and be able to kind of directly um, connect with them on a really intimate level, as opposed to having, you know, Fundamentally speaking, agents, brands, and all these other things dictating how they work. So when you're looking at it from a metaverse perspective, um, you know, influencers, they can collaborate with brands in a whole host of new ways, um, in, which I think is really significant, most particularly from fully immersive kind of 3D experiences. So as a hypothetical example, let's take uh, an influencer who's focused on exercise and, you know, health lifestyles. So what they can do is actually take workouts that they're that they're developing and have a brand sponsor it, wear those kind of, let's say Lululemon as an example, wear that branded clothing within the metaverse and then invite their fans to join them in that kind of digital workout we'll call it. So this kind of collaboration, just one, it increases marketing efficiency by channeling kind of promotional efforts to an influencer's most active followers. Because those ones who, as, as I'm sure, you know, having been in crypto for so long, so many of these followers are either bots or they're not that engaged or they follow someone and they don't necessarily participate. But the true fans are the ones who are actually going to be a part of that. So it's a great way to actually see who the real ones are and how I can actively engage with them. Yeah, that, that's really true. So we've, we've, we've seen you worked in with brands like Red Bull, TikTok, Twitter, like, you know, the global brands, right? And all these brands, they're actively preparing for Web3, either already there, they're participating and doing like, you know, some to, uh, dipping their toes in the water, right? You know, or, or integrating their into the NFT space or metaverse directly. So uh, in your opinion, what are the new opportunities can the metaverse open to the content creators and specifically to big brands? <laughs> Yeah, so I think more importantly, so when to, to really answer that question, we have to look at how concrete content creators can really increase their value of their audiences. Because what they're doing is by hosting these virtual experiences and then leveraging things like NFTs, which enable influencers and brands to monetize these collaborative endeavors much more kind of, we'll say, significantly. Um, it's just allowing this kind of new area of engagement outside of traditional Web2 means. So let's take you know, even a, another example where influencers now, they can even digitize themselves and make it so their face is actually relatively unknown. So uh, a lot of influencers that I'm working with are actually using computer generated avatars that appear to be human-like um, and they can have like, you know, all these different qualities, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they're using these digital avatars to effectively create these new personalities that connect with audiences on a whole new level. So from a brand perspective, 
you can kind of shy. It's from a brand perspective, it allows them to better evaluate brand safety because of these new personas, which are now enabling them to come into it from a more kind of cautious and easy perspective. You've touched a very interesting topic that I actually I was reading about the talent agency that actually generates AI influencers that are becoming much more popular and more engaging because, you know, you can imagine they can generate content like faster and more quality process millions or hundreds of millions of data points. Right. So what do you think is going to be the future of this? Like how, how would the agents will like survive with like I would say micro-influencers as opposed to those massive machines who are know everything about the audience? It, it's, 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 it's a great question. And, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's kind of a, a sad one for me because I think, you know, the agency world, so to speak, is, is not necessarily on the up. Um, just given the fact that a lot of the power now is being decentralized and given back into the hands of the creators where they can handle most of those things themselves because they own the distribution channels to their own audiences. So for me, you know, it's not such a good thing. Having said that, though, for the creator, it is a very good thing. And from a, you know, where I see this going in the future, obviously the technology now is, you know, very much in its infancy, but we're already seeing practical applications on a material level that's showcasing where we're headed. And for me, it's like, okay, maybe it's not in the best place right now, but there's just so much money going into the space and so much smart, so many smart individuals who are working on it that it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And I think it's sooner than we think for this transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so Reuters foresees an increasing number of uh, uh, interviews held in the metaverse in 2022. We're already seen examples of uh, from Financial Times where they interviewed uh, Meta's uh, Nick Clegg in the metaverse. I'm sure there's going to be tons of other like uh, amazing opportunities there. So in your opinion, like what are the other opportunities for reader engagement, advertising, community building for publishers like Metaverse Insider? Yeah, like, and how will you integrate it directly into into the metaverse? Yeah, it's 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 a great question, right? Um, and it's really again what we're creating here, what the metaverse is creating, is a new form of interactive and immersive experiences. So when you're looking at from an advertiser's perspective, look at traditional advertising. Take you know linear television or even digital media to some degree, which live streaming has helped to kind of push to the side from a, uh, an advertising perspective, you have what's called the fourth wall. And that's kind of, you know, if you're watching a commercial on TV, you can't actually directly interact with that brand or the advertiser themselves. But what the metaverse is allowing us to do, it's allowing these brands to break down that fourth wall so that you can actually meaningfully interact. So as an example, which I, I, most of your listeners are familiar with, is let's just take Twitch streaming or YouTube streaming. The reason why influencers are generally so popular in now, or one of the top ones, or why they've been able to scale, is because it's allowing you, as a fan, to directly interact with your favorite influencer. They can connect with you in the comments, they can give you shout outs, they can host you, etc. Where in the past with traditional celebrities like Tom Hanks or Leonardo DiCaprio, there is no such aspect because what's blocking you is you and the movie itself. They're not actually engaging. But what is this is allowing to on the metaverse side, it's allowing you to directly interact with those brands. So the smart ones are now coming into the metaverse quite quickly and learning those mistakes and how to best kind of leverage those audiences. Yeah, we agree. So, so it's becoming more interactive, like a peer-to-peer. And so regarding, um, I want to dig deeper a little bit around the magazines and the news yes. media, right? 
Um, so, will so you you think we will see like you know the the appearance in a metaverse of more newspapers and they're going to transform somehow, right? And then how will the interaction look like, right? For example, how would you interact with your host? Because there's still like a certain level of seniority and a certain level of the you know the roles. There's a host who's controlling, let's say, eighty percent of the airtime, right? And there's only a small piece of the time when people can actually ask questions, you know. It's 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 a great question, and and it's not an easy one to ask, just because the technology is still so far in its infancy, and there's so many ancillary aspects that need to be developed before we can materially answer them. But let's take an example, a practical one, like myself, right? So from the Metaverse Insider perspective, right now we're partnering with Sandbox to actually create a newsstand within the Metaverse where individuals who are walking around can grab a newspaper, much like you would just walking down the street. But why is this important? Because it, it's allowing you to get the news in real time and the newspaper itself will automatically update. So you can read it while you're kind of interacting and walking around kind of the, the sandbox, we'll say ecosystem, so to speak, which hopefully will be interoperable with kind of the various other ecosystems. Um, but from that, you know, I will say, though, you know, to be completely honest, from just a pure kind of advertising perspective, and we're calling print and digital, from a use case perspective, that I think is at the bottom of the list from those who are kind of developing the metaverse side. And we do need to think about how we actually make that from a more engaging perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting one. So the last question I'll ask you before we actually jump to the question from the audience, right? So what is the most important lesson you've learned over the career and the collaboration with different creators? Maybe name top three, you know? Okay, uh, there, there's a few here. Um, I, the number one, which uh, you, you may laugh at, is, you know, for me being an agent and having working with, with you know, so many influencers among different age groups, etc., is number one, answer your emails. Um, there's oftentimes when you're working with big brands and you're working uh, just with an agent, there are opportunities that are coming and you'd be shocked at, uh, not to say anything mean, but the lack of awareness from actually responding to brand opportunities and deliverables and just opportunities generally. Check your email and please respond is number one. Or hire um, always, an assistant, yeah. right? <laughs> Yes, good to have an assistant or just dedicate, you know, a half hour in the morning and half hour in the evening to check it because I know schedules of influencers are very, very tight. Um, they're streaming all day, then they're doing brand activations, etc. Um, but to be successful, you have to be professional. And, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, which is both, you know, a blessing and a curse of the influencer industry is generally speaking, influencers start at a very young age, right? Anywhere from 15, 16 years old. And it's hard to develop those skills. Um, when you're, you know, barely in high school, so to speak. Um, and then secondly, um, outside of that, you know, persistence and patience is super important. Um, so being an influencer, as, as again, I'm sure all listeners are know, it's one of the most competitive industries there is. There's virtually no barrier to entry. All you really need is a cell phone or a computer, and you can effectively start creating content. Um, it's a super competitive market. Everyone wants to do it. Um, no one really wants to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher anymore. Everyone wants to be, you know, a, a TikTok influencer or an Instagram influencer or now a metaverse influencer. Um, and it's not as glamorous as it seems. Um, and it's a grind. But if you're truly dedicated and you're patient and you're persistent with the content you're putting out, odds are you'll be successful. Mm -hmm. So kind of the, the key lessons I've learned are really kind of, you know, be professional, answer those emails and persistence and patience. 
So the regular basic things, which are time management and ethical commitment. And it's funny enough, because like those basic things and the simple things are what's most often overlooked. Got it. That makes sense. I, I totally understand what, like what you're saying. And yeah. Um, so thank you for, for, for the answers, right, for this part. So now it's time for our audience to uh, write all the questions and in the live chat uh, near this video. So you, you can do it from Twitter Live, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, whenever you're connecting from, right? Uh, so, you know, we, we're expecting like to hear uh, re relevant questions to this particular show. So I will start from from the first, I already see about 10 to 15, so we'll go one by one. So Captain Huddle uh, from YouTube is asking, what inspired you to build the Metaverse Insider? Are you happy with what you uh, you have accomplished so far? And what plans do you have for the future? I think that's a great question. Um, so the Metaverse Insider really kind of spawned out of uh, kind of an overview of the market. I was always really interested in kind of the Metaverse since I started hearing about it a couple of years ago. And the opportunity that I saw was, but was funny enough, you had all this money that was flowing into the space. Then you had basically what was news really in the form of press releases that were basically alluding to, you know, company X raises capital, company X has X technological development. But what I found weird was there wasn't really any material publication that was dedicated to, we'll say, the business and commercial applications of metaverse technology. So when I saw that and, you know, given the opportunity within the metaverse I wanted to get involved, I thought, you know, here's kind of a low hanging fruit or an easy entry point for me to get in, given my marketing and media experience to create a platform for companies, stakeholders and those who are interested to share their message and meaning. Um, am I happy with where they are uh, or where we are yet? It's a tough one. You know, as a founder, um, just as you are, Constantine, you're, you're never pleased. You're never satisfied. Um, probably being always a little bit too hard on ourselves. Um, but yeah, like I think we're in a very good spot. Um, we're luckily in some respects agnostic to the development of the technology, which is something that I like. Um, but, you know, we can always improve. We're a very young company. We've only been around for about two years now. Um, it's growing well. We've partnered with various companies across the space, but you can always do better. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll improve. And, and, you know, if people go around, use our website, please email me and let me know how we can improve and how we can better kind of provide those in that information in a more meaningful way. Perfect. Thank you for this answer. So Clan Wars uh, from YouTube is asking, hi, Evan, uh, what criteria do you take into consideration uh, when you choose which metaverse project you want to support and help to grow? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. So lucky for me, I have a very good team of journalists. Um, as you can imagine, we get inbound press releases virtually every day. Um, the vast majority of them are quite shallow and have very little actual meaning. They're just trying to keep that brand equity going and share those messages. We typically will not share um, information that doesn't have any substance. Um, as long as we get information from a press release perspective or a news perspective that has actual substance that our readers will value. And again, goes back to those values of, again, uh, business and commercial applications. Generally, we will share it. Um, and we will do exclusive interviews and delve deeper into kind of those projects. Um, we are, if you're looking for, you know, let's find out the, the best metaverse that has like a token, um, that sort of thing, that's not who we are. We're very much focused on building a very, very material ecosystem for the long run. And with that, we only will share news on those who are really developing actual projects like GameSpot. 
Thank you. Uh, Blog Jelly from YouTube is asking, um, the most important thing for an influencer should be the community, right? And I feel like it has become, uh, become even more critical now. How did the Web3 impact influencers in terms of their engagement with fans? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's something we touched on earlier. Um, community is obviously the most important thing. It's the most important thing for any brand, you know, being their consumers. It's the most important thing for any influencer, being their audience. Um, and it's the most important thing for any company, essentially, that's developing. Um, so what the metaverse is really providing in, is kind of another distribution channel to really engage with those um, community members who are actually supportive and fans of you. So it's taking that kind of uh, break in the fourth wall that we discussed before to a whole new level because it's allowing you to meaningfully interact with them in in almost a place that you know in the foreseeable future um, you know will be a ancillary lifestyle to actual reality so in that sense if you're a fan if i'm an influencer and you're one of my fans we can actually go out and have a virtual drink in the metaverse and discuss things and that's uh, a very priceless thing and something that uh, I think will meaningfully help the development of communities for, you know, brands as well as influencers. Perfect. Uh, so Omar from YouTube is asking you, hi, Evan, got a question. How did Web3 impact the uh, competition between influencers and how do brands make collaboration agreements with them? Are there new ways of displaying featured items? Yeah, so that, that's a, a another really good question. So let me give actually an example. Um, first, like how first brands are, are kind of entering the metaverse and, you know, making these agreements with various influencers. So um, we are working right now with a very large poker brand. Um, I can't give the name, but what we're actually doing is developing, we'll say, a casino, a, uh, a poker casino within one of the biggest metaverses. And what we're doing then is uh, creating a NFT. And this NFT is going to essentially be your ticket to participate in poker tournaments within the casino. 100% of the proceeds from the sale of NFTs are going to the prize pool for the poker tournaments. So in a way, if you're spending $100 on an NFT, you'll effectively be entered into, be able to participate in poker tournaments where prize pools can be upwards of $5 million. Now that is very significant and a very good utility of how the metaverse can act as a, uh, an alternative way to get people together and activate a brand in that space outside of a physical location in reality. Now, how are they leveraging influencers? They are working with large influencers and large poker influencers to one, so basically promote that this is happening as well as participate in those tournaments. Now, imagine yourself as kind of a, you know, a young amateur poker player and you enter into this tournament, you can immediately be sitting next to one of your favorite players being, let's say, Phil Ivey is one of the world's best poker players and competing against him for one of these large prize pools, et cetera. And of course it has real world utilities like, you know, being able to meet and greet with these individuals as well. So that's kind of a, a, a summary of how I would best approach it. And what was that first part of the question that I forgot? I think I didn't touch on that well. No, I think, I mean, we already talked about it. Uh, the first part was actually like, you know, about the, the competition between influencers. I, I guess like who's yeah. the attention and who, how do you structure it to make sure that, Maybe he, he means like um, measuring engagement, right? And also making sure that they're winning. Because, right, you know, like in crypto, in bull market, what what's happening, like brands are fighting for the big influencers. And bear market, it's vice versa, right? You know, so I think that's also another tool to make sure, because it's, it's much harder to actually 
put a tracker and and and, and measure conversions in meta in the metaverse, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're 100 right, and it's actually really difficult to track that normally um, as well, yeah. just in kind of Twitter, YouTube, etc. But one thing which which uh, there's this uh, company that I know that is developing this this is leveraging blockchain to track API uh, KPIs for influencer activations within the metaverse. So they're using that. So they're doing things like leveraging both tokens as well as NFTs, not in the sense that, okay, I'm going to go sell this token or I'm going to go sell this NFT, but those audience members who receive one of those tokens or receive one of those NFTs as one of the criteria showing the fact that they engage with that brand on that day through the influencer. So it's a way to track. Got it. I think that's an interesting point. Um, Raphael from YouTube is asking, hi, Evan, when do you expect to see some macro influencers such as uh, Kardashians promoting uh, their brands in the metaverse? Are there any big names in the space? Yeah, I I think you're already seeing a lot of big names who are, are, you know, leveraging the metaverse uh, from a brand perspective uh, in terms like Kardashians and other ones. I think still it comes down to the fact that the technology is, is, you know, it's still somewhat in its infancy um, and brand reputation authenticity is super important. And just, you know, I hate to say it, just given what is going on in the market right now, a lot of influencers are shying away just a little bit from connecting themselves, we'll say with NFT and crypto kind of projects. Um, Unlike, you know, a year ago where virtually they were engaging with all of them. Having said that, I don't necessarily pool Metaverse with those things. Metaverse itself is a technology to me and it's not necessarily, you know, a a project, we'll say. Um, I mean, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg is a big name enough, I think. Uh, and you saw recently Snoop Dogg and Eminem, they performed a, a kind of a, a concert in the metaverse as in two. Travis Scott did one last year with Fortnite, um, which is fully a metaverse in and of itself. So you've already seen influencers come in. Um, it's just a matter of where are the brands. A lot of brands are in that discovery phase right now. And as more of them come in, you'll see the influencers come in as well. Got it. Influencers will go where the money goes and where their fans go. <laughs> 100%. Um, OVZ from YouTube is asking, uh, I see that you're very interested in esports and are there any examples of esports influencers in Web3? Is it possible to build a personal brand as an influencer in the esport niche? Yeah, so from an esports perspective, um, right, we're talking about competitive gaming. And uh, what a lot of individuals do is they actually conflate esports with just gaming as a whole. Um, like Red Dead Redemption, God of War, these kind of AAA titles, they're not esports, right? When we're talking esports, we're thinking of Dota, League of Legends, Call of Duty, and these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see an opportunity for esports to play a significant role in the metaverse. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but once kind of, again, going back to this, I know I'm harping on a lot, the technology further develops where we can have more of those competitive titles being playable within the metaverse that's when you're going to see that huge transition from an esports perspective and a lot of those individuals moving over to that space okay i have a provocative question from moxie uh, from youtube uh do you see yourself as an influencer if so why if not why not <laughs> i think no i have to <laughs> but it should how do you define an influencer from web3 viewpoints yeah. Okay. Uh, so me, am I an influencer? Absolutely not. Um, I think one of the criteria is you actually have to have some sort of a following. I have no following. And that is a lot of that is by design. Um, uh, you know, while I, I may be somewhat of a personal individual, um, I, I'm not necessarily uh 
into uh, promoting myself that much on social media. Um, I don't really do brand deals. I like facilitating the brand deals more than anything else. Um, and you know, what is an influencer? It's really an open-ended question. It is to kind of that individual, whoever they are. It's really someone who can, you know, whether you're micro or you're macro, it doesn't matter. But what an influencer is to me is an individual who can harness an audience and engage with them and share a meaningful message. And that's pretty much it. Um, even if it's, you know, if, whether it's five people or whether it's 5 million people or anywhere in between, um, you know, you're an influencer, I think by definition, as long as one, you're sharing something in a, not so in just a material and meaningful way, um, an engaging way. It, it's a very difficult thing to kind of define. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's something that is open-ended. I would agree. I mean, that was listen, a tough one. That was a tough one to answer. I it is mind. a tough one. If I would, if I would gauge also like on this, like I think any person who you know, like, so there are people who have only five thousand influence, like you know, followers that they're they're more influential than people with like five, fifty thousand or five hundred thousand, right? It's also about like what's your engagement rate and and what type of people are following you, right? You know, so you can be a micro influencer. But the, the people who respect you on a, in real life, you know, that they actually follow you in real life, not in Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a huge difference, right? And going back to your first point, that's actually something I learned very early on in my career. So we cut a couple uh, fairly significant brand deals with large influencers. And the brands were upset because they didn't, uh, the campaigns didn't hit the KPIs that they were expecting. And then as we started kind of growing and we were starting, you know, really analyzing those KPIs and, you know, why wasn't this hit, you know? And then what we did was what we found out is leveraging, let's say, five micro influencers versus one larger influencers, oftentimes those five micros, even though they have a significantly smaller following than the one large person, will actually hit those KPIs much better. And the reason yeah. being is because the large influencer tends to have a very, very, very diverse audience. And that's not a bad thing, but it's not the best thing when you're a very specific brand um, and you're trying to hit a very specific target demographic. So when you're working with those five influencers, their fans or audience tends to be highly engaged and highly relevant to the content that they're producing. So brand, the brands themselves were better able to connect uh, with those audiences and resource KPIs. And I want to just throw another like interesting scientific part um, notion that uh, I'm sure everyone is familiar with the Dunbar number. Like it's a su suggested cognitive limit of the number of people how with whom you can, one can maintain very close relationships, and it's actually 150 people. So if you think about like from the theory of relativity, like you know, like the five people, even they're smaller, but they're 150 people from those five they have better chances to leverage uh, uh, more because uh, they still like, you know, maybe it's not 150, maybe it's 50, but still it's a dedicated uh, people who actually really, really follow you, right? As opposed to a bigger one yeah. who have wider circles. And yes, they respect him, they love his content, but the, the closed circle, the, the small one that actually will engage actively will be smaller, right? So by definition. So listen, I... I I'm sure we can talk about this part like really long. I enjoy it, but I, I think we, I will ask you the last question from the audience, if you don't mind. And then, um, so Malvenis uh, from YouTube, I hope I pronounce it well, is asking, are extensive broadcasting services such as Twitch getting into Web3? Do you think there will be significant, uh, there will be significant changes in how influencers promote their lifestyles and products regarding companies and technologies? 
Yeah. So yeah, fundamentally, you know, um, I think every single company right now um, that is consumer facing is developing a Web3 and metaverse strategy. Um, that goes without saying. Um, I speak to brands every single day and it comes up on virtually every call. Some companies are much more advanced. Um, in kind of their pursuits. Some have even hired, you know, specialists within those companies to lead those divisions, whereas others are just beginning to kind of touch the surface and see what are the opportunities here and how can I best kind of position myself for this future that is, you know, like I said before, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So how can I best position myself for when this comes? And, you know, from that sense, yes, um, Twitch, they are definitely developing a strategy. Um, I know them quite well. Um, I can confirm that they are kind of, you know, working on something there. They haven't necessarily shared that with me, so I don't know what that is and how they plan to do it, but they are doing it. Um, and I'm sure we'll know quite soon, just being, a, you know, a very much a digital media company that works in the influencer space, uh, you can rest assured that they are developing a significant strategy um, as it relates to it. Um, and the second part of the question was really about, okay, how can influencers really do it? I think we touched on that uh, a little bit before. Um, but again, it, it's really just a matter of identifying one with a brand. What do you want to achieve? And then now, what is this technology that I have in front of me that I can leverage to actually present this in a way that makes sense? So if I'm an influencer, I want to work on the metaverse. One, do your best to become an expert in it. And even though no one really is an expert in it yet, because we don't necessarily know exactly what it is or what it will be, we have an idea of that, um, but it's still very much in its development. So everyone, including influencers and companies, just need to uh, essentially get ready uh, uh, for that time. Yeah, no, I 100% support your viewpoint. Um, listen, thank you everyone for joining Games Hub today. Thank you for your questions, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we, we really enjoy uh, bring in more guests like Evan, like they're knowledgeable, like you know, they're smart, they, they can help us really uh, build this uh, understanding of the next level with what are we expecting from Web3 technologies. And uh, and listen to us at, like every week at 3 p.m. UTC on YouTube Live and in all other platforms so Thursday, uh, every other two weeks. And hopefully we'll see uh, Evan again on our show. Uh, but uh, for today, thank you so much again for the questions. Thank you for the answers, Evan. And so uh, would really love to work with you in the future. Thanks so much for having me. Had a great time. And if anyone wants to reach out, if anyone has any questions, you can always email me and I'd be happy to chat. Yeah, and we, we feel free once we post this episode, uh, uh, you will be able to write additional questions that we haven't been able to voice out in the co comment section. And I'm sure Evan will allocate a few minutes of his precious time to answer. 100%. 100%. Thank you so much, Evan. And thank you, everybody. Thanks so much. Stay tuned with Games Hub, a crypto talk show by GamesPad.